put the um and dumb. Welcome to Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Coming off of a, I guess, and, sorry, and exciting race weekend. Obviously, grammar matters. Um, so does punctuation, they say. Coming off an exciting race weekend at the Ridge Motorsports Park. Jason Pridmore on the line. It is Thursday because Jason's busy. I'm busy. And we had to, we had to knock this thing out. Hey, JP. How'd you Gregory? swing the club, man? How'd you swing it? Um, Are we not talking about it? No, no. Yeah, I, dude, I'm hitting it okay. Just a uh, frustrating day yesterday. Try qualifying for something. I'm 0 for 2023, so there you go. Not playing mm-hmm. good enough, but that's okay. I knew that I'd come back to this podcast in your soothing voice, so I knew I'd be okay, G-Dub. <laughs> As our producer, Russ, says, the dulcet tones. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I told yeah. you this. When I first started in TV, 26. 20- Six years ago ish right i don't know 26 27 years ago i was working with the spain and larry myers yeah two of the smoothest voice in the industry two packs a day for 40 mm-hmm. years and i would sit in the booth and i was doing what you do you know i was doing the the color commentating sometimes yeah. like we'd call like especially with the spain we'd do like world super sport races or something and he'd be like Hey, everybody, welcome to Speed Vision's uh, Speed Channel's coverage. Uh, and I'm like, all right, we're going racing. <laughs> yeah. So I literally, there was a time when I knew probably a year into it that I wanted to do this, you know, to be on TV, you know, like to commentate and do things like that. Yeah. So I thought for a long time I was going to pick up smoking just to try to change my voice. Just to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't do seem like a real long term benefit. No, I'm. Glad I didn't. I saved a lot of money, and that allows me to shoot archery. I guess I spent a lot of money, a lot of money on archery. Yeah, no, uh, it's all right. Yeah, those guys were legends, though. To be honest with you, I I worked with Larry just super briefly. Like, I I only went on the set with Dave Despain. I did that. I did whatever his show was back then. Do you remember when it was on ESPN? It wasn't on Speed at yeah. that point. There was a show, maybe that was one yeah, I did he hosted with Larry. Yeah, sh- he hosted a show. And listen, Larry hosted Motor Larry World Myers or something. I forget what it yeah, was. Motor yeah, Motor World. And then Bernardo did Motor World 2. Jerry Bernardo. How are you? Where's Jerry Bernardo these days? That's a good one. Mm, that's a lot of paint fumes, dude. I have no idea where Bernardo that would be is. A, I think he's still painting Bernardo? helmets and stuff. No yeah. way. Is he really? Yeah, there's somebody who listens to this podcast <clears throat> and knows where Jerry is. He was always super that, cool When I first started, a lot of people were comparing me to him. A lot of people. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have a Massachusetts accent anymore, people. I was born well, with it. But. It depends. Depends. Yeah. Anyways. Mm. Hey, by the Whatever. way, just so you know, Greg. Yeah. Don't catch 530 in the morning flights. I was up at 330 Monday morning. <laughs> it was miserable. Nolan actually got up and took me to the airport. The lady at the front desk is like, well, our shuttle might start at four. And I'd heard nothing but just horrendous hate for the Seattle airport, like TSA and all that. Oh and yeah, it, it's brutal. Oh, at ten minutes to four in the morning, I literally, I literally crawled out of bed at three thirty, and I was at the airport by like three fifty-five or something. And Nolan was good enough to get up and rip me over there, but mm. it was packed. I'm like, what are we all doing? At I know one thing for me, the United flight that I took, it was three hundred ninety bucks to go that early, or it was eight hundred dollars to go at nine o'clock. 
So that's why I got up mm. extra early to come home. I didn't want to come home because I was supposed to be riding at the Ridge on Monday. So. But you, you had to. Did you hear one of your boys slid off up there? No. On no Monday? No? Who? Who, who, who do you think? Well, can't be Simon. He doesn't go fast enough. Ouch. That's Simon. Kidding, I'm, Simon. I'm kidding, Simon. He's faster than Cole, but new tracks. Tell me Cole oh Bindi. Oh, my God. You're just, you are just literally destroying both of them. I love it. And, I, and I'm just sitting here. I'm not saying a word. Simon tipped over. I called it right? The training wheels must have fallen off or something, huh? They just tumbled. I, I, I'm willing to bet it was new asphalt. Turn 11. False neutral. Is that where the new pavement was or no? No. Or where's turn so. 11? Down, the downhill right? The, turn 11 is the tight fast left. One? Commentator guy. Turn 11 is the tight left. That's your you've job, there, man. You've been there a few times. Four years, ridden the track. We rode the track when it was brand new. The Ridge, man. I, I, hey, you know what's funny is it's, I think riders and teams and everybody just getting used to going up there now because I think that the, I was texting a few different riders over the last couple of days and they're definitely hold on, like, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Simon's yeah. okay though, right? Simon's great. Sorry. Off. Simon's okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would have gone into much more detail if he was hurt, but he's fine. Okay. Just, you know, I mean like think about how many miles those guys put on tracks. No, it's incredible. I mean, think about Jeff White too, and <clears throat> Jeff White, think about what we used guys. to do at Star School. Think about all those miles at Star School. Miles and miles and miles. I never, miles. ever freaking, I never crashed at Star School. Once. You're one of the few that never crashed one of my bikes. Mm. Thanks, Greg. I knew better. I wanted to stick around. Yeah, there no, was nothing not worth it. Oh, Mark dude, and I, I were, almost. Mark were, and I were. Mark and I were pretty cool with it. Like we understood what, that no, like no. Well, nobody wants to fall. No, we understand that. We understood it. I. And you do I came, one. I almost. I came from a. Do, I came. I came from a small lineage of you cannot crash at the school because if you do, you're gonna get, you're gonna get your stuff thrown outside your hotel room. That's where I came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True story. Yeah. Hashtag true story. Yeah. There was one. There was one. The closest one I can really think of that comes to mind. We were at where was that Hallett? I think Jay. Where the there was a hole in the middle of the racetrack. I think it was Hallett, and there was a guy in a two fifty. I was on a seven fifty. And the, the rule at the school was like no passing on the inside. You could in the X and the advanced class after you said, okay, you know, That's like right. normally late afternoon, but there's no passing in the inside. And this dude started stuffing people on the inside. And someone said, you need to go chase him down. And I was like, oh, okay. And this dude was fast on a 250 at Hallett. And there was like a right hander. You would go back. Keep in mind, he said passing. guys on a 250 people. Just keep in mind. He said guys on a 250. All right, keep going. Just letting everybody know, just in case they missed it. Yeah, but it was a two. It was a it was a pro rider guy on a two fifty GP bike, okay, at Hallett. Not a lot. Yep. You know, it's a straightaway. There's a right. There's a straightaway going back towards the paddock, and you would take a right hander, and there was a hole in the middle of the track, and I was pushing to go chase this dude down, and I went full gas on a GSXR seven fifty, and the rear tire hit that hole. Oh god! And I went. I was completely off. The only thing connected to the bike was my hand on the throttle. Oh, I was off, and I flopped right back in the saddle. And you were much and skinnier like, back then, too, Greg. Yeah, shut up. And I was like, this much isn't skinnier. worth it. This isn't worth it. I just went to the it's front straight and waved him in. <laughs> you know I what? Like, I, dude, I somehow kind of remember that for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it was like I, I literally came in like white as a ghost. And it wasn't that I was scared to crash. You know, I don't really yeah, care about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was like I didn't want to been a school ever been school a school bike. bike. Yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. you you were good about that. You were always you can do one or two. That. I mean, you can do one, but but Correct. we had a guy who did two in one weekend, and that was the end of. Well, his we career. had a guy who did two in like was that Topeka, Kansas? You're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was like two in like four laps. Yeah, that's true, and I love that guy. As that was, I was I sad to see him go, but well, wasn't, that wasn't guy. the that wasn't the reason though. It was like, no, I know, I know, but no, anyway. Enough with that stuff. Hey, uh, Sorry, this podcast, we're, lane. yeah, we're talking, yeah, we're going down memory lane. We're talking about Moto America, uh, Washington, which is weird to say. I guess it's just the Ridge, and then Moto GP Assen, and then we're going to preview a little bit of Donington Park, World Superbike, maybe talk some Moto. But before we do all that, we're going to get into the news presented by Arai. Ooh. Hey, did you know that Arai helmets? Fit your head really nicely. Yeah, go get fitted. AriAmericas.com, go check it out. I, I, dude, I keep forgetting to open up the read page. So, yep. You don't have it memorized? You guys know, <laughs> not all of them know. And there was a new post they actually had about something. And I was like, yeah, that's actually really good. I should do that. But anyway, hey, listen, did you know that, you know, you can pull the liners out of Arai helmets? Totally pull the liners out. You can wash them. Ask JD Beach. He does it every single day. He's a little obsessive compulsive. JD Beach, the flat tracker. By the way, Hannah's working flat track this weekend. Is I'm she? For yes, she is. I miss Virginia. JD. Uh, me too. I love JD Beach. If you're listening, JD, we're thinking about you all the time. Anyway, AriAmericas.com. Go check it out. Great helmets. Same exact helmet that you can buy off the showroom floor is the exact same helmet that racers put on their noodle. All right? There are no special helmets. Arai is a special helmet. There you go. There's your new tagline. All right, Jay, look, first and foremost... There's only one item I really picked for news, and that is kind of the biggest talking point coming out of MotoGP is the possibility of the return of manufacturer concessions. What does this mean? Concessions were introduced 2014, and it was really to help out Suzuki, Aprilia, and KTM between 2015 and 17, and it worked. Now they're talking about doing this for Honda and Yamaha. Look. It would unre- it would basically give you unrestricted in-season testing. It would give you a, a like a larger engine allocation, and it would give you unlimited engine development. Now, um, this you know, like it went away when you scored six points, Jay. So it was like three points for a win, two points for second, one point for third. So once the manufacturer got to six points, they took them away. Now there's been nothing in the books yet. There's been it's all speculation, but what are your thoughts? I mean, pride-wise, Honda and Yamaha getting concessions. To me, I don't know how the Japanese <laughs> would 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 do that, but you know, would would agree to it. But even Ducati has said there's been a couple things that have come out of Ducati. Jay, one is nobody's talked to us about it yet, but we'll consider it. And then I saw something where Gigi Delini was like, "Well, why would they do that? We, we've worked really hard to get to where we are. You know, mm. like that's their problem." So, so what are your thoughts on the possibility <laughs> of concessions coming back for Honda and for Yamaha? My how the is, modi- mighty have fallen, huh? It is strange times, huh? I mean, it's it's Greg and I are just so we're older, so we remember certain things, and it's it just seems incredible to me that a company like Honda, I mean, it's incredible that either one of them or Yamaha, but really specifically Honda could get any kind of concessions that's how far and how deep they have fallen and it is it is wild and when i read what you wrote here you know greg about 
a bigger engine allocation and unlimited engine development. I'm not so sure that the Honda is necessarily that slow, but where they have gone with their aero and their chassis refinement has definitely left them out in the dark. I don't know that that bike is that slow. So for them, maybe engine modifications and things like that aren't such a big deal. For Yamaha, I think that's the big, bigger deal. Would you agree that the Yamaha seems like it needs a little bit more help? But I also think that the Yamaha needs help in its aero package and its and its motor. Those would be, I think, the two things that they would probably go after. You kind of see Yamaha sometimes with the wings on the back or the wings not on the back. They weren't on the back for Magello, but they were on the back for Assen, which was very interesting to me. Um mm. The, the rear wings I'm actually specifically talking about on the Yamaha, you would think at a track like Magello that's as fast as it was. Um, well, I would have thought it might have been the other way around, other than they're trying to create downforce and grip maybe at, at a place like Assen and trying to get some sort of benefit from that. So, yeah, concession-wise, where do you spend your money? Is it in the wind tunnel? Is it motor? Is it chassis? Well, the other thing, is too, it- is when you look at unrestricted in-season in testing, mm-hmm. Now with sprint races, how much how much testing do you really want your your riders to have? I mean, you're already doing 40 races this year, and on top of that, you're now you're gonna tr- say, okay, guys, you're gonna really take Mark Marquez and you know what I mean, and go testing more because that's more the restriction, Just like more risk, huh? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's there's restricted testing on. The test team, I don't think there is. No, I would agree with you on that. I don't think there's that now. I, I don't believe. Uh, the hardest part is is that, man, to really make sure that your stuff is as good as it needs to be, you have to push as hard as you can, which just reminds me again of how incredible Supercross racers are because I was talking to Roger Hayden about this uh, the other day, and it's it's just insane the, se- the season that, that those riders have to endure because – you know, they're testing for outdoor motocross with about five or six rounds to go in supercross. And they're having to push as hard as they can. And it would be not unlike the MotoGP guys. In order to really refine a motorcycle and get it to where it needs to be, they have to push and push and push. And that's a scary proposition. I mean, it really is a scary proposition. So uh, on one side, it's great. On one side, like you say, uh, how are Yamaha and Honda going to, feel that that looks like to them. I mean, imagine they're getting concessions from a group that Aprilia and KTM are not right now. I mean, all mm. these other companies, European companies have just literally gone right past Japanese manufacturers, which I never really thought in my day that I would see. I can honestly say that if you said to me 10, 15, 20 years ago, do you think KTM and Aprilia will be you know, legions ahead of where the Honda or the Yamaha is right now. And I would have said, I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I, I like, like I said in the last podcast, I do think that some of this comes down to the way that so, each society, the Italian Italians or the Austrians or whatever, it, and the Japanese treated COVID and the way that they listened to the rules and stuff. I just think that, that during COVID, when there was a quote unquote freeze put on stuff that, you know, Ducati was behind the scenes working their ass off and, you know, and, and they had people in the office and I, I'm not sure that Honda and Yamaha were allowed to do that, but you know, Jay, there was a, you know, if you look on road racing world, um, they posted the, 
the press release that that came out that I get from Yamaha and they're pulling out a snowmobile manufacturing. I saw that, yeah. You know, and 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 you just I see cuts all across the board for Yamaha and I just I don't really question HRC whether they're going to come MotoGP racing. I think that there's probably a renewed sense of revig- of like like purpose with trying to get this bike better. You know, I worry about Mark Marquez. I just think that retirement should be on his lips. And I think that his ego won't allow him to retire because he's got comeback, you know, stuff to do or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm concerned that Yamaha is going to just go bye-bye. And it's a really, fact- it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you say that about Marquez and, 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 and Yamaha itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the questions I always ask Greg, when it comes down to this stuff is, and this is what you and I have done in the past. We have, do you remember when all the talk was that if Marquez jumped on the KTM, like three years ago, Marquez jumps on the KTM, it'll be winning, right? Oh, yeah. You take Bagnaya right now. If you put him on a Yamaha or a Honda, would he be winning? And I go, no, I, nope. he would not be. And you got to remember that Yamaha and Honda both have MotoGP world champions currently on their team. So when KTM and Aprilia were all coming through, and Ducati for that matter, when they were coming through, they didn't have MotoGP champions on their bike when it was struggling as bad as it was. I think Stoner was probably the last guy that probably struggled with a Ducati. But when you think back and you go, well, Rossi went to a Ducati. What did he do? Nothing. Lorenzo went to a Ducati. What did he do? Nothing. He did win a couple late, but then he went to Honda. He looked beyond ordinary on Honda. So it definitely can be and is equipment related stuff. And the question now is do Honda and Yamaha want to dig themselves that much out of the dirt? And to your point, with the cutbacks and things that you said, I think the worry would be that for Dorna would be to lose a Japanese manufacturer. I mean, that would be, they've already lost one. It would be devastating, I think, for a lot of people, including us uh, and people that watch, if a Honda, I, I can never see Honda doing it, but if a Yamaha said, hey, we're taking two years off, we're going to come back with something new, you know, because the amount of money they have to spend to develop a new bike plus race it, that it, it almost doubles, doesn't it? Doesn't it almost double the amount of money you'd be spending? At least. Right. So if you if you look at it from an overall perspective, what does Honda what does Honda have to benefit from it versus what does Yamaha have to benefit for the money spent? Yamaha on the tech on the high tech motorcycle side, they're 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 stepping away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the R6 is gone. They're replacing it more or less with, you know, with the R9. There's an R9 speculated to be coming out. It's a triple 900, you know, but it's a simple motor. It's going to make about as much horsepower as the R6 makes now or whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Possibly competitive in um, next generation super sport, you know, where they can control it and all that stuff. But the R1's going the way of the Dodo Bird, and it's only got about two more years left in its sales cycle. And then the R1's going to go bye bye. And there's no talk about replacing that thing. And the other bit was, and I speculated this about the podcast last year towards the end of the season, Yamaha is going to have to make a huge architecture change in their motor and go from an inline four cylinder to a, at least a V4. And no sooner did Lynn Jarvis come out and say, we're not doing that. There's more in this inline four cylinder and we're committed to it. Yeah. What? You're committed to it because you don't want to spend the millions and millions of dollars it takes to develop a new motor. Yeah. Right? Because it's not just, I mean, it's, 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 it's not just, a CAD computer and run it. I mean, they got, they, there's a whole test program and takes, takes a long time to endurance test those things. And nobody wants a motor to go bad and have a 
you know, stain on your record. So there's just a lot of things that, that look like to me that Yamaha could be doing that they're not doing. I know that the rules hold them back. Right. And this is, this is where we talk about the rules hold them back. You have to pick your motor before the season starts and you are stuck with that thing for the entire season. Okay. So if they get concessions, they get motors, they can change motors. They can update motors. They can do stuff. The question is, are they going to, do they want to, right? You know, right. They're going to have to come up with a budget on top of the money they're already spending that's going to play into concessions already. And I'm not sure that Yamaha is prepared to do that. It's pretty wild, man. It's wild times uh, for as strong as racing seems across the board right now in the world. It's scary just to, to think about everything you're saying. It right is now, just because there's so much other stuff going that. on. There's other, there's other, you know, businesses. I mean, Yamaha makes a bunch of different products, including music products. Honda obviously is the largest four stroke engine maker in the world. Yeah. Right. So they make more all that kind of stuff, all that stuff. Right. So, you know, you look at them, but, and, and their HRC department is big. It's important for Honda. It's still in Honda's DNA, you know, and, and, you know, rev your, rev your soul, rev your spirit, whatever Yamaha's little slogan, rev your heart. Right. doesn't mean go racing, at least in KTM's deal, even on every KTM you buy, there's a sticker says ready to race. And so you go, okay. And you know, the owner of KTM still young and still interested in racing. So it's, it's, just one of those weird things. It's all. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Not in the news on your rundown, but obviously I saw it this morning. The announcement came out that um, that your boy Alex Lowe's is staying with Kawasaki mm. for at least one more season in World Superbike. Uh, I love that. I'm I'm glad he signed up, and it gets announced right before his home race in Donington. What can you tell us about the inside on that, if anything at all? No, I, mean, I would imagine I've... that you've known for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, known that for a couple of weeks. Um, or look, at the at the end of the day, I think that when you look at some of the stuff and you talk to Steve English, you know, one of the biggest reasons why they keep Rinaldi on at Ducati is for the simple fact that he, he can get results on his day, but he's a good teammate to Batista. And I think that some of that's the same with Al in the sense that, you know, Greg, it, it's, it's a hard conversation to have like publicly because you just, you... You have to understand that what Johnny's got under his team with Piri Reba and all that, they work so well together. And I think Al is still trying to develop that kind of team structure on his side of the garage. And that is that is the hardest part. Like, we can't always look at what these guys do. Like, you look at a Darren Binder right now in Moto2 and you go, he has had horrendous luck. This guy rode MotoGP last year and arguably did a pretty, pretty good job, I thought. He went from Moto3 to MotoGP, not unlike what Jack Miller did. But he went to the wrong bike, right? He went to a satellite Yamaha team. And you go and you think, when Jack Miller went to LCR Honda, that Honda was pretty good comparably to everybody else. Uh, And Binder now in Moto2 is a non-factor. You don't even talk about him. He's had horrible luck. He's qualifying mid-pack every week, which puts him in a bad spot. When you start start to look at it, you think, who else could Kawasaki have got? I think Al's done a really nice job, a really good job. And the Kawasaki right now is probably the fourth best bike on the grid. So, you know, they're trying to do their best to try to help Johnny and Cowie. I mean, when you start talking about concessions, it sounds like that might go their way too. When you think about it, they let every other manufacturer, the concession rule was based around the Kawasaki five years ago because the Kawasaki was so dominant. They had to start leveling up the field as you say and now 
Kawasaki's the one that could actually need and use the concessions that they have to have. It's pretty incredible start, when you start think that about conversation, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, you know, for Al, it's a good thing. This weekend at Donington, I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but it'll be interesting to see because they did have some new parts and things that they tested at Aragon, and I believe God, where else did they test? They tested somewhere not that long ago, like two or three weeks ago, and then they tested at Aragon last week. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm happy for him, uh, you know, and and uh, World Superbike this weekend at Donington, yeah. Uh, also, a little bit of news too uh, that just came across my desk. AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame Class of 2023 announced Rita Coombs, of course, of the Coombs family, MX Sports, Motocross, or yeah, Motocross, GNCC, um, all that stuff. Ryan Dungey's getting in, JP. Nice. Barry Hawk, I love that dude. He is such 98 national championship wins in AMA GNCC stuff. Absolute stud. He did it both on ATVs and motorcycles, by the way. He's a great dude. Grant Langston is getting in to the wow. Motorcycle Hall of Fame. And Travis wow, wow, Pastrami. Wow. Dude, Pastrami, is that's going to be a party. <clears throat> yeah, that's And the wild. description of Pastrana is kind of funny. A racer turned daredevil. Travis Pastrana used a motorcycle to build himself wow. into a mainstream star. Oh, yeah. I will tell so, you a Travis unfortunately, Pastrana story no, sometime. No road racing, next... Jason. I'll tell, you, yeah. I'll tell you a Travis Pastrana story someday in the old, in, you know, when we're bored. Okay. I could yeah. tell you a couple of pastrami stories too. Got a couple of good ones. Great guy, man. Yeah, me too. Just not, it's hard to hard to meet a better person than that. He's Woody from Toy Story, man. He is Woody from Toy Story. He is just uh-huh. a good dude. Well, so. no road race people in the motorcycle hall of fame class this year. You didn't you know, get in. We got a vote. We got a vote. We got you a didn't vote, get in. People. Who? Me? Yeah. You, you know what's really in. funny? There was a time for a few years where they started putting like journalists and people that work entertainment like the spans yeah. in the was in the hall of fame and then something happened and some political thing and he handed his pin back and like whatever oh God, Who cares? Really? yeah yeah but then cares. after that whole fiasco i was at the hall of fame a number of years ago probably four years ago yeah and i said something about it and the person who was in charge at the time said you're never getting into the hall of fame because we're not putting any media people in the hall of fame ever again <laughs> i was yeah, like yeah. okay like, yeah, why but- would i need to be but you're a racer. Yeah. What about those oh. accolades? Top 10 at Loudon get you into the motorcycle <laughs> in, in Formula Extreme. I love it. I love it. G-Dub, no. we yeah. just got back from the Ridge. Moto America, the Ridge. Uh, again, You know, we started talking about it a little bit just now. I think that everybody, teams, riders, we're four years into that place now. People are just accepting the Ridge as a place to go. And, and um, look, it, it seems to me that the Good Ridge- crowd. Great crowd. crowd. Unbelievable mm-hmm. crowd. Uh, I love it because we were I, when I was leaving, I think it was Saturday night I was leaving to go meet the boys for dinner. And I call Simon and he's like, yeah, we're, we're in this traffic jam. And I'm like, oh, because they are an accident? No, no, no. Traffic jam leaving the racetrack. Like, oh my you know, God. when you pull out of the parking lot and you turn left, you go down to that stop sign, you make another mm-hmm. left and you go down mm-hmm. to the highway. There was a long, 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 long line of cars turning right onto that highway. And I'm like, it's, you know, I know I've said it a couple times, only probably a couple times, but man, it was nice. I'm like, I don't mind this traffic. It's nice to see the support that Moto America is getting right now from the crowds, the fans, and they had a lot of stuff to do there. They had a little carnival over there for people to to go to go to go ride on. And you know, the other thing too, 
kudos to the Ridge, man. Those guys, they continue to make improvements to that place. They built more yep. stands this year for people to go watch from. Um, and it might have been there a year ago, but I just didn't remember it. But they built a, another walkway up to the top of the Ridge. So there was like two different routes you could take. Um, just, to, you know, it, it was a, another confirmation of how out of shape I am. I'm walking up this hill and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I still so, have not been to the infield yet. Never. That's so wild that you have never done it. But but I don't know if there's a more beautiful setting um, for real to like watch a race at. Mm-hmm. But the racing was was really good. And, and you know, you talked earlier in uh, in this podcast about Yamaha and, you know, some of the stuff with them. And I'll tell you, Greg, there was a couple tracks I had circled this year to really see if the BMW could even get close. And the Ridge was a place I thought the Yamaha would come in and dominate. I really, really did. And to be fair, when, you know, you look at the first day, Jake Gagne wins the first day. And it was a great result from him, for him and for Attack. I guess going back to it a little bit, we, we should talk a, a little bit more about how qualifying went and stuff. Because Josh Heron was very quick again. And he set pole time and was on even quicker time when he crashed. It would have been interesting to see how his weekend went without that. You could see his foot dig into the gravel, too. That was the worry for me when I saw his foot dig into the gravel. And, um, and you know, we saw him limping pretty heavily. I'm sure that that's going to hopefully get better before the next couple weeks uh, at Laguna. Um, but the Ducati looked really good. Kids riding hard. Uh, the Yamahas look good. Cam Peterson again, a little sick during the weekend and, and had, had a little bit of bad luck. But Cam Bobier comes out of that place, I feel, with all the momentum. He crashed the first race, Greg, but he crashed catching Gagne, and he was actually on the back of him with three or four to go when that accident happened. He got credited with seventh, Gagne with the win. On the second day, though, it, it, it looked a little too easy, did it not? I mean, it looked like they've got that thing hooked up. I'm I'm wondering if we could see Cambobia go on a serious winning streak here. We're going to Laguna for three rounds and a newly repaved Laguna. And that BMW actually, as you look at it, to me, um, for, for maybe the first time in I don't know how many years, Greg, it actually looks like the better bike than the Yamaha right now. It definitely has the speed over the Yamaha, and uh, and they're putting the power to the ground. Well, if you saw, and I did see this, and I just didn't mention it on air because I didn't know if it was for me to say or not, but obviously it broke on Road Racing World Monday, Mm -hmm. is that all-new frame for Cam. And you want to talk about a beefcake of a frame. I mean, every place there was a hole, there's now material in there, you know, to stiffen it up. And, you know, that's been, I think, the biggest complaint is that uh, in World Superbike with the BMW is that it's just a soft bike. And I believe those bikes are developed on Michelin tires for for street oh, which are a right? lot okay yeah which are a lot stiffer say than the pirellis they use in world superbike right so you know it's obviously in the rules you can add this and you can gusset that and you can do all that kind of stuff so it's perfectly legal but that was one of the factory frames that came straight from the rocket team and it looked impressive but you know you look at the titler cycles team and you have three completely different bikes right you have mm-hmm. a 2023 bike of Gagne, which we are sorry of, of Cameron Bobier, which now has like this great frame and it's got a different swing arm and all this kind of stuff. Then you have a 2023, a PJ, which his bike is not as updated as Cameron Bobier. And then you have a 2022 bike last year's bike that Corey Alexander's racing on. Yeah. Which by the way, tip of the cap to Corey. I mean, he's apparently he doesn't know why, but he's definitely magic at 
at the Ridge uh, because he had a great uh, fifth place result in race number two and a fourth place result in, in that red flag race number one. But I think you're right. I think if you look at the BMW as a motorcycle in development and the fact that they're getting direct factory support from the from the factory team, I think it's great. I think BMW is yeah. chasing their tails a little bit. You know, our tires, these Dunlops are a lot stiffer. So you would think that the bike is going to work a little bit better with the Dunlops because of how the street bikes developed. And again, super sport is, or, you know, world super bike is street bikes made into race bikes. So right, right. you got to, you got to initially start with what you got, you know? Yeah. So there, you know, you got a soft frame with soft tires and you have a noodle that we see in world Superbike. but now they're stiffening things up a little bit. Cameron looked Jason. The biggest thing is, is that Bobier looked like he was pretty sour pussed on Friday. He was not a happy camper. And I literally leaned in Saturday morning and I just said to him, rear grip, because the one thing that I know that the BMW struggles with across the board has been rear grip. Yeah. And he just looked at me, he goes, yep, rear grip. And that was all I needed to know. But they figured something out. You know, they figured something out. And the other thing is, is the X factor, dude. Bobier is just like if you if you look at Cameron good, Bobier and you so go, good. he's a mid pack <clears throat> Moto Two racer, and that's all he's ever going to be. Oh, you're an idiot. You are an absolute idiot. Yeah. This guy's so unbelievably talented. Yeah. If you give him the front end of the motorcycle that feels good, I'm telling you. Okay, I have said this to you. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I'm going to make this statement right here, right now. Had somebody put Cameron Bobier directly from his superbike to a MotoGP bike, we would not be having this conversation because he'd still yeah. be in MotoGP. That even, even, I mean, you know, the thing I keep saying is watching the World Superbike BMWs and watching cams, they look different. They actually look different to me. And when you watch them go around, you sit there and you go, I, I you know, cam has no interest you know, I believe he has no interest in going back overseas at all. He no, loves being at no home. Way. He loves being with his family. He loves chilling up in, you know, NorCal where he likes to be. He just likes that lifestyle. He doesn't want to go. And if he had the motivation to go to World Superbike, I mean, look, they got Top Rack next year, and that's amazing. But it's like Cam would be, it'd be so fun to watch him wild card. Don't you kind of wish that we had a wild card World Superbike race at Laguna Seca right now? Where we could see yeah, and the, could and do. the reason I the, yes, and the reason is is because Cam would be one of the better, and I think obviously I hold all four of the superbike or you know superbike BMW riders in high regard, especially Gerloff, and you know what I think of Baz and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, there's no knock on anybody. But if you look at it, okay, and you go, Jake Gagne did wild card. He didn't do that well. All right, you know, in his wild card. But I'm telling you, World Superbike makes their speed with the front tire. You know, they, that that Pirelli is unreal. The front is amazing. That's Cameron's strength. You know, and I, I I think that if you gave him, like if you had Gagne go do a wild card on a, on a MotoGP bike, he would do better because MotoGP bikes make more of their speed with the rear end of the bike. You know, and again, I've talked about this before. Bridgestone, it was exactly the opposite in MotoGP, right? Everything was about the front tire and the rear, blah, 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 blah. And that's why bikes got redeveloped and it... You know, if you look at the first year when when you went from Bridgestone to Michelin, there were people launching bikes on the ground on the front like crazy. Yeah. Because they were so used to being able to carry so much bar pressure at so much lean angle on a freaking four inch wide, you know, Bridgestone front. And then you put them on a Michelin, which makes more of their speed with the rear. So there's a lot of that stuff. Wildcard, it's especially important. But I think Cameron would do great there. And I think that he would be right there 
if not faster than than all the BMWs right in the mix. Yeah, it's just a hard one to say. And, you know, you talk about front end feel great. That goes throughout the paddock. That's every rider. Every rider wants to be able to have that. And, you know, Cameron's was probably brought to light a lot more because the amount of front end issues he had when he went to Moto2 and just not being able to to pick that up. And if you look at that team this year, um, SDK is riding his his his, um, his butt off. Yeah, he's riding (laughs) as, as hard as he can. And and um and he's trying and Roy Skinner's done nothing and it's not like anybody's gonna I don't think anybody expected that to happen so let's just go through a couple of results here Jake Gagne great weekend for Gagne uh, wins the first day finishes second the second day you could tell even in the pre- afterwards he's like man Cameron just was hooked up I heard him coming up behind me um so Gagne goes one two for the weekend first day Matthew Skultz finishes second the first day for the for the Westby team, DNF's the second with with an accident. It's a strange weekend for those guys, Greg. I watched in qualifying. It just happened to happen right in front of me two laps in a row when Matthew was on his good lap. Something the electronics was cutting out, and it wasn't allowing the bike to go. So it seemed like it was, uh, you know, maybe maybe we could talk to Chuck about that, Chiquetto from, from Westby, um, because it seemed like he was on good laps, and then the last quarter of the lap, the bike would cut out. So... Not mm. really sure what was going on there, but Matthew, frustrating weekend for him. When we start talking about Josh Heron, he ends up third both days. Third both days in the sense that the first day when Cambobier was doing his thing and catching up to Gagne, he he fell over, brought out the red flag. He got bumped to seventh, which which got Heron um, up to third. I think those are two great results for Josh, considering the weekend that he had as far as his injuries go. You know, he even said it on the podium. Kept himself in the hunt for the championship. Two-thirds is going to be okay, and he will be another guy that will be very tough at Laguna Seca. We know how much he loves that place. And the Ducati looks great. I mean, let's just be fair. Guy I was really happy with this weekend, Corey Alexander. Gets fifth and fourth. I think he qualified fifth um, or sixth, maybe. I'd have to look at it. That's what will hurt Matthew. Matthew had to come from seventh on the grid both days, so that made it a little harder for him. I couldn't tell you last time I saw Matthew come from the third row. Um I can't remember where he was at Road America. I know he struggled there a little bit. But but Corey Alexander, fifth and fourth, Greg, and he's working great. Um, we know the crew he's got over there with DJ, Timmy, uh, Carl's there now. Um, Steve Weir's done an amazing job. You know, when you see posts of people on BMWs, Steve Weir's not far behind. He's right there. That guy's involved and, um, you know, uh, works hard. I saw them all at dinner Saturday night, and I think – that the more the more compelling side of that is that in the second race, Corey was only seven point six back from the win. So I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, let me go back to Matthew Skilts real quick. Yeah. So the the biggest thing is they made a mass geometry change to the bike after mm-hmm. four years of basically riding the same bike. So I would love to say that Matthew's struggles are over at this point. I just don't think they are. I think we're probably ready for a rocky and a bumpy couple of next races. Yeah. And I mainly say that because for Skultz, he loves the geometry change. It's just a completely different feel on the front. And as Matthew was describing it to me, Jason, he was saying like, look, when I get to the, when I get in there and you're very similar, like you like when the bike starts to move around, you get a certain feeling from the bike mm-hmm. starts to tuck. You're like, I'm at my limit. The problem was the front end would move around and Matthew's like, I don't know is on the old setup. I knew exactly 
what everything felt like now with this new geometry change and the fronts raked out a little bit more, he's going like, is that the limit? I don't know. Am I feeling what I'm feeling? So that I think I didn't talk to him, but I would imagine from the conversation I had with Matthew during the course of the weekend, that that was a contributing factor to his DNF in race number two. So as they start to get this figured out, the cool thing is, is that Matthew has like latched onto the idea and it's very similar now to what Gagne and what uh, Peterson run in terms of their geometry. So Matthew is saying like, okay, I can see the future. This is the way to go. Might get a little bit of bumps and bruises along the way, but we're kind of committed to it. So I, I like I like the direction that the team is taking because as you know, looking at those bikes over the last couple of years, the attack bikes seem a lot more stable under both braking and acceleration. And I think that this raking out geometry i don't know if it lengthens the, the wheelbase i think it should naturally mm. um but it definitely seems more stable a more interesting stable yeah well mm-hmm. and again it's so funny because you think how many podiums matthew's had and they're just a, a million seconds and thirds yes he has one but you know he he wants to have that one victory where you know cambobia and jake gagne are still on the racetrack and he's racing them he wants to have 100%. that hard fought yep. victory you know and this year, it's tough at the front. Richie Escalante, Greg, super impressed with him as well. Oh, yeah. He goes fifth, first day, fourth. Uh, sorry, fourth, first day, fifth, the second day. Um, but, man, looked looked just really good. Sorry, I, was, I had it the other way around. Escalante finished fourth the second day, fifth the first day. Only 4.7 back at the end of the day in the second race. That is super impressive. I talked to him. Don't know if there's a better guy to talk to in the paddock. Richie's just so calm, so cool. and you know, you start, you start like, there's no silly season. There's no silly season rumors or any of that happening right now. But I start to think to myself, like (laughs) Suzuki's really going forward with this bike. Like, do they stick around next year? I hope they do. Does Chris find the funding and is able to continue to move forward? That's what we want. Yeah. Chris has assured me that that's going to happen, which I love. Mm -hmm. And they could, then they are, it, it would seem to me, that they definitely are finding some steps forward with that bike. And Escalante, I think there's going to be horses for courses, as we say. I think that there's going to be some tracks where he won't be as close, but there's going to be somewhere where he is. And I think we're getting to see more and more tracks where he will be. But to only end up 4.7 seconds off the lead the second day, huge victory for the M4 X-Star Suzuki team, Vision World team. So really impressed by that. Um, Camp Peterson. Kind of a kind of a bad weekend for him. Yeah, um, just rough. Just not feeling just, well. Kind of behind the eight ball. He's just had a couple like this this season, hasn't it's he? It's the weirdest season, man. It's not like I can say that Camp's done anything specifically really wrong. Second day, he was in that battle for third and fourth the whole time, and then just kind of dropped back to eleven seconds back. Let's keep in mind that he had some sort of food poisoning for a couple of days, and then he tipped off on Saturday in our qualifying, and then he did the same thing in the same corner again in the race um second day he ends up sixth but like i said he was in there for a while uh pgg Jenkinson, a weekend that he'd just rather forget he got a sixth and i think he got a seventh he don't like the ridge he just doesn't like it uh no doesn't doesn't <laughs> suit him he nope. more or less came out and said that from the time he got there it seemed like the 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 juju was down i guess you could say it wasn't he didn't have like a real positive feeling coming into that place and you know, he even had a little slide off in turn eleven. Um, so he ends up he ends up further back than he'd like. Hayden Gillum, two eighth place finishes. I mean, 
I guess I guess coming out and asking you, where where do you rate Hayden Gillum? In terms of just talent? Yeah. If he's on uh if he's on, you know, a Yamaha BMW or a Ducati at this point, Hayden's Hayden's in the conversation for for podiums, I think. Yeah. Like he's that talented of a rider. He's a he's a fifth through third kind of place guy, I think, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I feel like his talent is is very 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 high mm-hmm. i'm kind of wondering if if the only reason by the way the only reason i wouldn't put him as like a race winner or second place is just because of the level of which he would have to compete against gagne and bobier where those no, two I mean, are going to be the fair. most consistent one two guys i think that's you know? fair that's fair yeah. i think that when you look at it you know it's a <clears throat> it's a hard conversation because you can never really know where somebody would be or how they would end up i really rate hayden i think he's an amazing writer Good dude. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this year he just took on a little bit too much. I don't know. I mean, you think about all the things that that guy. I don't really know what Hayden's day to day is, but you know he's got a. You know we know he's got a son and and um, and being a dad and he works hard. But then on top of it, Greg, he, he's he's ridden Super Sport this year. He's ridden Baggers this year. Superbike, <laughs> Stock Thousand. Mm-hmm. He's kind of spread himself pretty thin, and I think that that is doable. It's it is doable. Um, I don't know the disrupt racing full blown story. They got some good guys over there. There's no question there, but it just seems like I, even on the bike he is on, um, what did he end up? 32 seconds back the second day. I don't know everything about that bike. That's Suzuki. I don't, but last year he was a little bit. I mean, bit, I can tell you it doesn't have, it doesn't have the same electronics that Vision Wheel M4 X stars. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have the same type of electronics and, and, you know, it's it's just hard, dude. You know, in MotoGP, yeah. oh, it's man. like you it don't have the arrow. Hard, hard. You don't have the arrow, right? Like electronics are basically controlled in MotoGP. People forget that. But you don't have the arrow, then you're in trouble. And I think that's kind of the same situation that we're in with Superbike. It's like if you don't have the electronics, number one. Number two, if you don't have the electronics systems engineer, then you're, you know, you're, you're really struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Like I said, um, I just feel like I, I do feel like Hayden is is really good. Uh, Max Flinders had a ninth. He had a ninth and a tenth on the weekend. Um, Ashton good for Yates. Max. Yeah, really good for Max. Top tens. Gotta love that for him. Always mm-hmm. smiling. Great with people. Um, so he ends up with a tenth and a ninth. Ashton Yates had an unusual DNF second day, tipped over, which we don't see very much from him. Eighth the first day for him. Ben Smith had a tenth and an eleventh. So it kind of rounds out your top ten. I think with CW Moto, they that's their home race. I know Chris from CW. I know Benjamin really well. Um, I think that they were probably both expecting a little bit more. Uh, that said, it's it's tough out there, man. And and uh, well, super, I actually asked. Yeah. I had a conversation with that team, and you know, just about expectations and stuff. And they said, <clears throat> yeah. look, they actually feel like because they're new to Superbike. You know, the the biggest thing for that team is CW Moto team is that they were you know wanted to compete in Stock Thousand when Moto America announced they weren't going to the West Coast with Stock Thousand. They said, okay, we're going Superbike. You know, yeah, and they're yeah. they're they're learning, and they picked up Ben, who's you know, unexpectedly a really good rider that they have in their stable. And they said that they're, he's actually exceeded their expectations for the season yeah, so far. Good. So they're, they're pretty happy with it. I think that that team looks more Jay long-term growth. How do we continue to develop the bike? You know, and, and we're getting a little bit more and a little bit more out of it. That's it's not like they went to Stamboli and bought, you know, one of his bikes like David, what David yeah. Anthony did. Yeah. So they're working on it on their own and they have their own strategy and they are adding a little bit here because they're, 
not only are they developing as a team, but they're also developing their rider into a super bike rider. So hopefully Ben Smith stays with that team and they keep getting better and it's all good. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Laguna. We'll talk about that next week and what we expect because there's yeah. a lot of fast. There's a lot of people that have won at Laguna that are in uh, in the medallion Superbike class. But let's move on to Super Sport real quick, Jay, yeah. if you want to. Two words. I have Chubby the results Flores, up unless, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, Chavi, no. Chavi. Yeah. Yeah, Chavi, Chavi. So no, go through them. Sorry. Sorry. Go through them, Greg. No, no, no. It's fine. And there's no points up there. Like the Moto America hasn't actually posted points. They must have just skipped that one. But Chavi's perfect on the season. So Chavi Forez jo- over Josh Hayes in race one by 11 seconds. Teague Hobbs, great weekend for him. He gets a third place. He backs it up the next day with another third. Ty Scott, his teammate, ends up beating him. And then Chavi ends up winning again. Uh, Hayes fell off. David Anthony fell off. Like that was a that was a tough one to see, actually. Jeff, really- I mean, it's funny seeing it's fun seeing Dave on Supersport. Like people, it's great. I he went, was, he I got went, up to fifth place. Our, he had a nice yeah. pass for fifth that we caught, and then unfortunately, just kind of tossed her. Yeah, um, well, we talked about the top ten of Superbike. Bobby Fong actually took Dave Anthony's place, and you know, sadly, we didn't get any results from Bobby um, for whatever the reasons were. And it's uh, so that was that was a bummer. But Dave actually ended up the GSXR seven fifty that Nick Siling rode for that team. Because Nick also does, uh, he, he works on the superbike side of things with Dave. He raced the GSXR 750. They ended up buying that bike from Chris Orich, the 750, and Dave decided he wanted to race it at the Ridge. So that's why that happened the way it did. And he got seventh in a DNF, but he crashed out of fifth place. So good for him. The other talking point, obviously, Jake Lewis ends up getting fifth, and he ends up getting fourth, which is a great, great for him. People have been saying to me, how can you keep talking about Jake's weight? Look. Jake's the one that comes to me and says <laughs> I'm over 200 pounds that I, and, and you, you heard him. We went and talked to him after race one yeah, and yeah. he even said, I pooped out the last four. So Jake, yeah. Jake has got to get his act together and he's got to, you know, get back to training and stuff like that, which he says he's motivated to do. It's only been a couple races on this super sport bike, but I think if that dude gets back to his normal race weight, he's going to be an absolute weapon. Uh, Andy Debrino, dude, in the debut of his MV Augusta, ends up sixth and ends up uh, eighth place on the weekend. I thought he did a really good job. Really good job. Yeah. yeah. Really good job. And he is going to, um, let's see, he's going to Laguna. Great. He's going to, he's not going to Brainerd. Going to Coda or something? Going to Co- going to Laguna, Coda, and the final one at Jersey. So, he's Got unfortunately, it. he's going to skip Brainerd, but... Um, you know, and, and hopefully that turns into something. I know, again, if you didn't hear the broadcast, KTM bought some of MV Augusta. Debrino rides for KTM that, you know, and hooligans and stuff that open up the door for him to get this MV F3, which is a triple 800. And uh, from all accounts, the president of KTM USA and, and Debrino were texting back and forth a little bit about the results and what he did. And and all signs are thumbs up. Like they did a really good job for them hey, this weekend. his kit was unreal like yeah i thought the bike looked incredible um i know the guys from edr busted their ass to get that thing to where it was i know there was a lot of obstacles a lot of things that went on um but man his the bike i don't know if there was a more beautiful bike to look at than that one like i sat at the end of pit lane and for a couple of the sessions watching those guys go out because I could sit under that little walk bridge in the shade and I could watch guys on front radio going into turn one. It was really fascinating watching the differences of how guys were entering the chicane there. But when that bike would come out and they would sit there for a minute, it was like, 
you know, between, between how the bike looked and his leathers and all of his setup, you, you just, you pull hard for that, that whole crew, that whole team, the rider, everybody to get that thing up to speed and get it going. And it would be great to see, I think MV Agust is fairly competitive overseas too, because they've had, uh, isn't it Marcel Schroeder that's riding the MV, I think this year? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Like they, they've so, won a race this year. <laughs> they've had podiums this year. MV. So they, yeah, because Safoglu's, um, Hatton Safoglu, I think, is riding the other one. He did win. I forget where he won, but yeah, he won. Was it Mazzano? I can't remember where he won, but Hatton Safoglu won around this year as well. So big kudos to them, that team. Everybody for getting him sorted and getting that bike good up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about Twins Cup? I mean, Twins Cup was interesting. You know, Twins Cup, Rocco Landers right now is showing all those guys what the pace needs to be at the front. It's. Yep. Here's a guy that's done as well as he's done in the past. Um, I mean, he's shown him the pace, but he's also shown him what not to do, which is pass under a waving yellow. Right? Correct. So. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so Rocco ends up winning race two by 11 seconds, and I don't know how much he actually crossed the line in front of Dominic Doyle. I don't remember. But it was a it was a heap in a pile. Yeah. But unfortunately, there was a waving yellow flag going into turn one, and this lapper kind of didn't look like he knew exactly what was going on and kind of sat up and Rocco just passed him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, so, look, I don't really know what the argument would be. Um, I don't really know uh, what the argument would be because it was almost like the guy overslowed to be fair when they went into turn one, but that that's what it looked been, like to me. Like, that could have just I, been his pace though for all we know. I mean, I'm not true. It's yeah, but I, know, it looked like he did overslow quite it looked a bit. Like he overslowed and Rocco kind of got himself into that gray area of like, uh Oh, now if I'm Rocco, I know that I got a nine second lead. If he's watched his pit board, I don't know what he gets put on his pit board, but he should know that he had a pretty big lead. I think the right thing to do would have just been to, when they come out of the chicane, pull over, let that guy go back by, follow him for a corner. It was the last lap. You got a nine second lead. You might lose a couple seconds, um, but it was as blatant as we've seen, and, and it and it wasn't. And I'm not sitting there saying that it was that he did it on purpose. I'm not saying that it kind of caught him off guard that he was entering turn, the chicane and the guy was parked pretty much. That guy was probably parked because he saw yellow flags, so he's probably wondering what's going on ahead of him. So, and Rocco just kind of rolled by him without even trying, if you know what I mean. I mean, I mean Jason, look, you've you've been in the position of out front in your rhythm, right? Like, this is what I was thinking about. Rocco is literally, he does 46.2 as the fastest lap of the race. The next person closest to him was Gus Rodeo, who did a 46.9, his yeah. fastest lap of the race. And only Blake Davis was the only other rider, you know, who, who did, well, Hayden Schultz did a 46.6, but he ended up DNFing. So if you um, pull up Rocco's times, I'm sure there's a way to do it. I'm just not. Yeah, there is. On. There's there there's a, there's a sheet literally on yeah, under I'm com- competition stuff. But what I'm saying is, Rocco's in a rhythm like that. He's expecting to go by this lapper and the yellow flag comes out and this dude parks it. I would imagine it's pretty hard to just like Rocco literally would have had to ha- like grab another handful of brakes and and downshift a gear. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like he needed to be penalized. There's 100 percent. He passed under yeah. a waving yellow. Yeah. I am not disputing that. One iota. You, we saw it. You and I both saw it. We were yeah, watching yeah, it, we were, oh, and we were both we're like, like "That dude needs huh. to be penalized." Uh oh. However, I also can see it from Rocco's standpoint, like, like literally, what is going on? You know. Well, like, if you look like, at it, Greg, to your point, when you look at it, that he did a forty-six-two, and the next best was a forty-six-nine. Rocco's run was forty-six-eight, 
46-7, He did Wow. He did a wow. bunch of laps better than than the second place guy did for the entire race. So yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it's um look, he's got a lot of time on these smaller bikes. He's an incredibly talented rider. Shouldn't probably be in the class on in the sense that he should be, and I think he would want to be riding somewhere else. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what he's got right now. That's where he's at. And, you know, it's it's uh it's good for these other kids though, because they need to see where the pace is and now they know. Now they know. Gotta step up. Gotta step yep. up. Yep. 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 So Dominic Doyle ends up winning the race and yep. Dominic had a lot of perspective. I really like it talking with Dominic Doyle. He's a fun dude to talk to. He's a great guy, man. Yeah. And I was like, how was your race? And you know, he's just like, well, I did what I thought I was going to do, which is low 47s, you know, and yeah. he's just like, you know, kicking the can that way, but uh, you know, wins a win. And, and that he wasn't the only one, by the way, who won, you know, who didn't win on the racetrack, but won overall. But just to just to catch you up on the on the Twins Cup points because it's a series you definitely should be watching it. Uh, Blake Davis is leading Rocco by eleven points, and of course you got to understand Rocco didn't compete, didn't score points in the first three three events. He didn't do Daytona, and he got zero points scored at Road Atlanta. So it's been for Rocco win win win, third place win. You know, so it's. Yeah. Uh, Third he's place putting is, on a show. Yeah, he's winning Blake. everything. Third place was a was like you said the problem, and then yeah. DNF it wherever it was. So it's like when he's when he's when he's really when when all else when when he when he finishes the races he's he's winning them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. So, but good yeah. class. I and mean, we've had five different winners this year. Blake Davis has won. Rocco's won. Gus Rodeo has won. Dominic Doyle now, and of course, don't forget about Mesa. He won. Uh, at Daytona race number two. So it's 11 points and only two points back to Gus Rodeo, who also kind of pulled himself out of a bit of a tailspin by finishing second in race number two. You know, obviously the whole barber situation was just a nightmare for him and his team. looks like he came with a better attitude. And I like seeing that. Um, Jay, let's talk about super hooligans real quick, because there was another race Debrino was in, but it was Tyler O'Hara who reeled in his teammate McWilliams who Jeremy McWilliams at 40, 59 years old looks absolutely <laughs> amazing on a motorcycle. Yeah. Debrino gets out to a start in the KTM, but I think there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a weight and speed difference between the Indian and the KTM, but Debrino did great at his home track. Uh, he ends up finishing third. So McWilliams gets beat by Tyler O'Hara on a late lap or wait, late race pass. Mm-hmm. Nine tenths of a second. Debrino's three seconds back. Then Corey West, Bobby Fong ends up fifth. Jake Lewis, uh, on back through the field, but then Jay McWilliams and Tyler O'Hara won again, but there was a file protested and it was not filed by Andy Debrino. Okay. Cause some people thought that it was the case. It was not filed by Debrino. It was filed by another team. And Salomon is Salomon that filed it. Salomon. Yeah. Like uh Corey West team, right? Correct. Yeah, so they filed a protest and and with every right to because the bars are below the triple clamps, so they're they're swept down. the The bar end weights are below the triple clamp itself, the plane of the triple clamp, and that was found to be illegal. And so, yeah, they they needed to be disqualified. Is it a huge advantage? It sure can be. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I remember back in the day racing a you know CBR F four versus uh you know, a, a ZX six and the different position in bars and stuff like that. 
can affect your tuck, especially with those bikes that don't have fairings. But nonetheless, the Brino gets the win over Corey West, who was able to get himself into second place after that uh, protest. And then Bobby Fong ends up third. Mesa in fourth on the electric bike. That's the Titler Cycle. Um, Njikia or Njisiki, whatever the frick it is. Uh, and AJ, what is it, Peasley? Mm. Is that how you pronounce that? Yep. Peasley? Yep. AJ Peasley. Mark Prince. Mallory Mark, Dobbs on Mark the Ducati Price. ends up. Price. Uh, Come on. Huh? Oh, yeah. Mar- I said Mark Price. He said Prince. Oh, sorry. Mark Price. And then Mallory <laughs> Dobbs ends up uh, in seventh place at her home race, home track. Good for her. Um, yeah. So that's that. Now, that's not actual a Moto America class, but they're, you know, they race obviously with Moto America. So Tyler O'Hara leads Jeremy McWilliams 19 points, and Debrino is actually third in that championship, only two points behind McWilliams after a, a third place and, of course, winning that race. So that's a bit close in the championship. Um, and then, of course, let's talk about Royal Enfield real quick, Jay, because tip of the cap to 19-year-old Michaela Moore. Absolutely Amazing. going out and, and yeah. Ripping. Doing a, Absolutely ripping. Ripping. You know, R6 experience. She races kind of the mid-region, right? Like uh, Summit Point and, you know, like uh, uh, Carolina Motorsports Park. Like, or sorry, what is it called here in North Carolina? There's a track there. That no, there's that at. New Jersey Motorsports Park. And then there's, uh, what's the... The Corvette track, right? Or I, I know she races back there anyways. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She, I think she's from like the DC area, like Maryland okay. or something like that. Um, but Michaela Moore is, is she, she wins the first race by 16 seconds <laughs> went over, over, yeah, over, uh, Kaylee bike and then 18.3 again over Kaylee bike. And her, her best lap time is over two seconds a lap faster in Kaylee, Kaylee bike, who's the reigning national champ in that deal, definitely stepped up and she, she dropped another second from Saturday to Sunday. But still, a 2.07.6 versus a 2.05.3. Michaela did 2.05.2 in, in the first race. So pretty impressive. I think she's undefeated. Yeah, four wins on the trot. Kaylee yeah, Bikes got three second-place finishes. Um, and, Jay, I talked to the people at that program and that, you know, expect that program to continue. Uh, the people in that, that own Royal Enfield uh, really like that program. It's more about showcasing how you can customize a Royal Enfield because it's yeah. really part of their... Their DNA is their makeup, to, yeah, yeah, to make a lower on lower cost motorcycle that people can enjoy, <clears throat> and that you can have money to customize. And they love the the racing aspect, the competitive aspect, the women in the sport, all that stuff. So hopefully that will continue on. But overall, Jay, I mean, I'm I'm I thought we had good racing across the board. It was exciting, especially Medallia Superbike. I mean, Supersport was a, poof, you know, it's kind of the reverse right now, isn't it? Where Superbike Man. was was a checkout for so many years. Now we got good racing up front. Supersport was great. Now we got Chavi, who I love, and I think he's doing a great job. And they have nerfed that motorcycle. So if you think it's the motorcycle, you are, you're high. It's Chavi. Wow. It's both. I mean, it's both. It'll be interesting. But it's, if, but it's if, Chavi on the motorcycle. You know, I'm not, you can't so put good. anybody on that bike and have them go a win what, like what Chavi's doing right now. Yeah. You can put a couple it, people on there. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Again, if Heron's on that bike, I think same thing's happening right now. I mean, he showed yep. last year his dominance on that motorcycle. Um, yep. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. I love the fact that Chavi's coming out and saying that he wants to be on a superbike and this and that. So for our series, it's great. It's uh, it's fantastic. Like, it'll be interesting to see, and, and this is just not even for us to talk about now, but if Tyler decides to continue to run three bikes next year, what if Ducati steps up and runs another bike next year? And then mm. with all the other stuff that's going on. So... 
you know, the thing is, is that it's what if um, Petrucci wants to come back. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, he's having knows? a shit year. You think yeah, he'd swallow you get, some? You, think he'd swallow you, some crow and want to come back to the states? You got to put Chavi on the bike though. At this point, He's no, you got to put Chavi on the bike. I mean, yeah. look, in talking to Simone, you know, and I kind of mentioned this on the broadcast. He he's just like, look, last year's data is irrelevant. Josh is such a smoother rider. The way that he treats the chassis, that it's t- their settings are completely different. Plus, the bike's an updated bike. There's part of that. But he's like, dude, we start from baseline because Josh is such a different rider. So obviously, a lot of the, what I think I'm hearing is is that the chatter that the Ducatis had since day one. Josh isn't getting as much of that chatter. And I think it's probably just because the way he treats the chassis. Super impressed with Heron this year. Honestly, I really, really am. Uh, Josh does some stuff that I don't like. Um, You know, that that I just wish he'd like just chill himself out a little bit on certain things that he does from from certain aspects. Off the racetrack, yeah. Yeah, but the guy, I cannot question his, his heart and how hard he works. And he's gone quicker than Petrucci, I think, at some of the tracks without question. He deserves the ride. And, and that team, they've done a really nice job, man. I mean, like that team works really hard. They, they've proven to be successful. You can't take anything away from them. So moving on, Greg, Assen, MotoGP, it mm-hmm. happened this last weekend. And sure man, it's a crazy weekend. Great weekend. Um, it was dry. Was it dry to... all weekend, by the way? It was dry. Pretty crazy to yeah. think it was dry all weekend there. Um, not sure where you want to start with it. I know it's your kind of segment. We'll go, we'll go, go sprint race. Some, we'll go sprint yeah, race go real through quick. Some sprint race results. Bedzecki ends up beating Bagnaya by 1.2 seconds. Quattararo had a great race, 1.8 back from the lead in the sprint race. Alicia Spargro looked like he was back and forth. Binder in fifth place. Hmm. Uh, Jorge Martin, Maverick Vinales, f- and Ava Giannini. And did he Alex get credited Marquez. with fifth at the end? Is that what they gave him the first? Yeah, time? they gave him fifth at the end. Yep. Yep. So uh, Alex Marquez, that's the nine points you score. And then when we went, when we went to the full feature race, mm-hmm. it was Bagnaya who ends up beating Bedzecki and then Aleish in third, right? Yeah, Aleish in third, uh, Brad Binder in fourth, Martin in fifth, Alex Marquez, uh, you know, Luca Marini in seventh, Nakagami, you got to give him a lot of credit. It's 14 seconds Huge. back, yeah. but Nakagami in eighth place and then Morbidelli, Augusto Fernandez, Salvadori on the Aprilia, the test rider, beats Raul Fernandez, Stefan Bradl, and Jonas Folger. Um, there are quite a few people like Vinales hit the deck. Thank you for my fantasy on that one. Jack mm-hmm. Miller, Quadraro out, uh, Oliveira. So, Jay, really, just, just get to the big talking points of this race. It's not so much the results. We know that Bagnaya yeah. and, and Marco Bedzecki are studs. Alicia Spargo, I thought, had a great weekend. However... Let's talk about, well, here we are talking about penalties again. Tell us what happened. Uh, yeah. You know, look, I'm the wrong guy to talk about with this shit now. I can't take it. Uh, it's stupid. Dude. And you know, the fact is you said something to me last night on my drive home when you and I were talking, you said, you know, that the fact is that MotoGP came out and Mike Webb had to explain the penalties. And I'm like, to me, that's, that's even worse on that regard that you have to come out and explain to the fans why the penalties were happening, because that means that so many people are looking at them and going, this is ridiculous. Like I get it. I get the whole green paint thing. Get rid of it. Cause if he runs on, if his tire is that much on the good side of the green paint and that was grass, all it would be, it would just be, you'd be seeing dirt kicked up a tiny little bit of dirt kicked up and he would not be losing positions and every rider would be doing it. And it's not a big deal. The fact that race direction is putting themselves in the forefront week in and week out. And, you know, we talked to Freddie and I'm not, 
I hate being critical of things, but Freddie's like, we're trying to remove ourselves more from it. Well, it doesn't look like it to me. I don't think they're trying to remove themselves at all. Like it just continues to get worse. And the Moto2 thing for me, I came to the track on Sunday morning. I watched the races in the morning. I was up early and I said to Greg, Greg, have you watched Moto2 yet? Greg goes, no. I said, well, watch it. Because Greg and I usually like try to watch these races and then go back. And when you look at like Aldegar coming through the chicane, getting ran off, not not ran off, but somebody stuffed it up underneath him. And the best thing for him to do is pick the bike up. He he basically puts his hand up in the air and he slows himself way down. Next thing you know, ride through penalty. I'm like, come on, man. There's not a single person on the wall or in the paddock that's saying that that guy deserved a ride through. Then you look at, you know, you, you see Acosta lose the front. And he literally lets Jake Dixon passed right through penalty. And I'm like, what are we doing? And then Acosta, without question, runs over the green paint. They say that they looked at it from from their closed caption televisions that they didn't they couldn't make out one thousand percent that that he touched the green. Do you realize it's like I think in MotoGP they got sensors, right? So yeah, they, I, don't, yeah. I guess they don't Correct. have them in Moto Two. Do they not have sensors in Moto Two? They certainly do. They're they work do for they? everybody. Yeah, I don't understand that. So it doesn't matter. It's a, again, it's another weekend where race direction to me is really like from my myself. It's just ruining the. It's it's literally ruining the racing for me personally. I you know people can say, well, good Jay, nobody gives a shit what you think about it. But for me, I just get tired. I turn the TV. I turn the. Uh, computer off after the second race greg on sunday morning and i'm like oh top three okay great didn't know that bender got disqualified or got bumped back to fourth in that race as well the thing i don't understand is you could not run through the green paint the entire race but if you do what bender did on the last lap boom you're penalized so that means that somebody else in the race that could have had a warning because two laps from the end they ran on the green paint they get nothing I just don't understand why we can't use a little discretion here and see a bigger picture because it's ridiculous. So anyways, that's it. In Moto2, Jake Dixon, my boy is back. He's back. Iogora in second place, right? Mm-hmm. Pedro yeah. Acosta in third. Yeah. Aldegar in fourth. Kinnett Stoke fifth. for Dixon, by the way. Stoke for Dixon. Lopez. Yep. Arbolino, Manuel Gonzalez in eighth. Good ride for him. Arenas, Vietti, Sam Lowe's in 11th. Baltus, Garcia, Binder, Darren Binder, and Alcoba in the mix. SDK, no bueno. Um, uh, Joe Roberts in 18th place, no points. Good solid podium. I mean, I don't know what to say about this race because what we look at on the racetrack, sometimes it's the penalties. You just ran into it. Yeah. Let's, let's just go to Moto3 on this on this front. They're, by the way, they're off for like a month, so everybody's going to go. But, yeah, let's go to Moto3 because yeah. what a freaking race in Moto3. Absolutely yeah. a banger of a race. You had 10 riders going to the last lap. They were covered by a second. It was awesome. Ayuma Sasaki takes the lead with a couple corners to go from Jama Masia, and Masia makes a great move like Sasaki I mean, dude, I, I don't even know. Th- those bikes are so small. I don't even know if you could say you left the door open because how do you close the door in a Moto3 bike? It's so tiny. But whatever room there was, Masia gets by him, wins his first race, eight, 81 thousandths of a second over Sasaki. 
Dennis Anju came from like seventh place or something like that on the last lap, was able to work his way right up to third, beat Ortola, uh, David Munoz in fifth, and Rueda in sixth place. Dude, that was such a great race. Going to the last lap, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Please, yeah. some, some disaster is going to happen. Yeah, uh, it, Jason, it, so it doesn't, it, though. It's pretty It wild. doesn't. But yeah. Danny Helgado leads this championship on a KTM by 125 points to Masia on a Honda by 100. Where did he finish? Where did Helgado finish again in this race, Greg? I think he crashed, didn't he? Oh, he did. I didn't see it. That's so, I oh, know. no, he, did, he didn't crash. Um, I just didn't get to see it. Uh, yeah, he ends up. He he crashed and he crashed really early and he picked it up. So he okay. finished he finished twenty okay. fifth. So zero uh, points. All right, seventy four and a half seconds back. They I remember like they didn't. They, I don't think they had the crash. We just saw him kind of in the gravel trap and everybody was like, "Whoa, what happened okay. there?" Their KTM yep. team was a little bit, a little bit pieced. But you know, hey, Anna Carrasco actually beat somebody. So good for her. Yeah, twenty fourth. But all very hate mail is directed to Greg White. <laughs> no, Listen, directed to I, Greg White. I I I love the fact that Anna's racing, and I really, you yeah. and I had this conversation beginning oh, yeah. of the year, and I really think that she was that she is a talented enough rider where she could put herself in a position to score some points. But I think, like, I always thought Maria Herrera was better. Just didn't in get terms the same of just opportunities. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I always thought Maria I mean, Herrera was better, but just more talented you're saying hey how about them fantasy greg you want to talk about that fantasy go ahead and talk about it greg i know you want to come on all come on so yeah you i've taken a beating in fantasy i have taken an absolute beat down fine fine so have i not by the way everybody we 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 play MotoGP fantasy fantasy fantasy.motogp.com if you play with us and you win then you know you win a set of dunlop q fives yeah and you win an awry helmet yeah. If you finish second, you get Q5s. If you get third, you get Q5Ss. Okay. Yeah. Which, by the way, only one person has taken us up on it who who finished in the top three in our Supercross fantasy. Um, oh, by the way, tip of cap to uh, to beat JP43, who co- showed up at the Ridge with a nine-pound box of donuts. Thank you so much. I, and I didn't get They to were delicious. Yeah, I know. A nine-pound box of donuts. Yeah. So anyway... Are we, allowed to say that we caught, are we allowed to say that we caught Hannah eating a donut? I mean, to say we caught Hannah eating a donut is a little understatement. She was She's thoroughly right enjoying. I mean, she was thoroughly enjoying that donut. And by the way, if you have donuts, people like I don't understand who gets jelly filled donuts because I don't know people who eat jelly filled donuts. I do. I, I like them. You like? Jelly oh yeah, filled? no, I like them. Normally, like if yeah. you go to an like an office environment, the jelly fields are always like the last ones in the box. Nobody grabs them. But yeah, Hannah but in office, people are usually wearing nice clothes, and then next thing you know, they're they're getting filthy. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah. Anyway, there are 375 players playing in the Greg's Garage pod with Jason Pridmore. There's an apostrophe in Greg's. So if you're searching for it and you want to join our league, get her done. We're having a good time. All right. Uh, TB Simmons leads the way. Troy with only still one. Leading. Troy's still leading. He's got a ten less, a little less, nine point seven lead, five point yeah. lead over Team yeah. Chow, King Fisher in the mix. In terms of us, though, okay, let's see. Let me go ahead and search. In I terms am, of us, I, in terms of you and me, I've slid to one hundred seventy fifth in this fantasy pool. You, on the other hand, have climbed to one eighty eight. 
I mean, shit. It's nice because people cannot rip me as much as they had been because I was 328 four rounds ago. I think the biggest news, Jay, is that we start with 15 million and you your team is valued at 18.8 million. That's pretty good. JP JP 43 sponsor me. Okay. Is 14th and and that person's team is valued at 19.2 million. So in terms of in terms of value, you're only 400 k off. Me, on the other hand, my team is coming in at a svelte 16.6 million. I'm absolutely trapped in a hole. I'm screwed. Troy Simmons, his his team is worth 19.8 million. So like the the highest is Team Rhino. Team Rhino is is done with all the with in fourth place, done with all the turbos. Wow. And the team's only at 17.9 million. Yeah, By the way, I'm, Red I'm Spade Racing. Ca- I'm looking to catch some people here. Yeah, Red Spade Racing in fifth place. Day Trippers D in sixth. Keys 38 in seventh. Love to see that. Yeah. Warhammer, AMA Someday 91, and Red Tail Racing, your top 10. In the Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore. MotoGP Fantasy League, where there are prizes to win. And the one thing we haven't decided yet, but we have not forgotten about. No, we haven't. Is the one-on-one JP43 training day. And we're going to work that out at some point. Yeah, we got to work it out. And there's only for a couple of reasons of how we got to try to get this thing figured out. So it's not like we don't want to do it. I want to do it. I think it'd be fun. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, it's been fun. MotoGP Fantasy has been fun. It's nice that uh, (laughs) it's nice that I finally have a team. So it's good. Oh, is that right? It's nice to you yeah. have a team. Well, because mm-hmm. I just get smoked on this. You know how much I take abuse from people about how horrendous I am at this, and I am. I'm not. I'm readily admitting it, but it's getting better. So, I'm catching you, dude. I'm catching you. <sighs> so, anyhow, um, um, all right. What about pro? Wait, where was Promoto? Were they at high? They point? weren't. They weren't this last week. Oh, they were off. Okay. No, they got this weekend. Is it Redbud weekend, July fourth? Um, it is Redbud this weekend, July fourth. Oh no, wait, June one through yeah, it should be yeah, should be this weekend. weekend. I think it is yep. Redbud weekend. So next week, yeah, Greg and I will be talking about World Superbike Donington. That's going to happen this weekend, obviously, and uh, we'll have some promoter to discuss. Uh, we'll also preview Laguna Seca coming up. I'm still get back to Laguna. You're flying in when? You flying in Thursday? I'm flying in Thursday morning, and I'm debating whether to take my bow. There's no place to shoot around the racetrack that I found, unfortunately. But on my way from San Jose Airport, there is a great public range with field archery and everything else. And I just set up a new field archery bow, so I may just bring my bow and shoot Thursday. And I got the red eye. Be Robin Hood somewhere. It's perfect. I got the red eye Sunday night, or which I don't normally like, but cost wise, it was the only. This ticket's over. Well over a thousand dollars for me to fly. It's it's sad, but um. So I may what I what I did last year was I drove up to that same range on my way back and shot, and then packed up the bow and got on a plane. So I may bring Very it. Good. I don't know. Yeah. Guess who I might see this Saturday? <sighs> um, well, Michael Jordan. See. No. Oh. Um. Hmm. Good guess though. I'm gonna see Uncle Skip. Oh, are you guys gonna swing the club? We might. Yeah, he's been having some knee issues, but he's good. So I'm, I'm pumped. Get to see Uncle Skip this week, this Saturday. Hopefully, get to see him up at Laguna and all that good stuff. Hopefully, and, um, Wayne comes to the track. He should be there. We'll get to see Wayne. Wayne should be there. He's been to a race, but I didn't get to talk to him or see him. So I, <laughs> other than texting and and phone calls, I haven't seen him. I don't think this year. So I'm looking forward to catching up with him. So I saw him. I saw him at Road America, and oh, he was surrounded by. 
No, he was surrounded by about 15 people. And I'm like, okay. Of course. Last thing Wayne needs is another person yeah. sitting over there next to him. So I didn't get to actually talk, talk to him, which was a bummer. Cause I was like catching up. So we'll see him. And um, other than that, everyone, I heard Laguna sales are up. I heard all the campsites are full. Bold. That's amazing. I love, mm-hmm. I just love it. I just love it. They, they opened up a part of the area for camping that they haven't opened ever for, for motorcycle so america or something yeah. like that yeah huge thanks to you guys the fans huge thanks <sighs> Thank to you, you guys so i mean much. i think it's yeah i think it's great to see the series bounce back and you know greg we live in this world now where everything's you can watch everything yeah like now you can watch everything what's really interesting is how many people you know have moto america live plus and they watch the races the same time like live timing you know like yep. so unfortunately it's always like what like 30 seconds behind or something weird like that but but People will say, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll be sitting in such and such turn. And then I watch the race on my phone and, you know, or wherever it is. But the fact that we still are pulling, like we're pulling crowds again. And Atlanta was huge. Road America was huge. Road America, the Ridge, again, better. Um, and then Laguna sold out. So big thanks to all of you, the fans. G-Dub, I'll see you Thursday night probably or Thursday at some point. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And have an unbelievable and safe July 4th weekend. Later, everyone.